three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Utley is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports on Chicago. My name's John Zaglou, great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, some big news for the Bears involving Justin Fields and Kevin Jenkins. We'll explain in just a moment Plus, a brand-new exclusive interview with Greg Gabriel, the former director of college scouting for the Chicago Bears. We talked with him extensively about the Bears-Browns game, Justin Fields, the Bears' prospects for 2022, and so much more. It's a great interview. You don't want to miss it. comes up near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John's Gluel. You can watch more of this show. Search up sportstalkchicago.com for every podcast, article, and video. I want to start today with this. It's only the preseason, quote-unquote. What a lot of people say when they try to cover up their tracks after being wrong about something. I'm not saying the preseason is the end-all, be-all for evaluating Justin Fields or any of these Bears players, but I'll tell you what. We saw magnificent things from Justin Fields on Saturday. Not just good or okay, magnificent, amazing. And it's worth giving him praise and talking about it. He did great. And it just shows the difference, the day and night difference, between Fields being comfortable and a coach catering to his strengths and Pat Nagy. (laughs) Fields killed it against Cleveland. Three touchdown passes, Bears won 21-20. 14 of 16 for 156 yards, no turnovers, 146.9 passer rating. All from Justin Fields on Saturday. Talk about impressive. Talk about threading the needle 14 of 16 from a guy with a career 59.9% completion percentage. I'm expecting something big this year. I'm not talking about 50 touchdowns and Patrick Mahomes and MVP type stuff, but I'll tell you what. I don't care who was against. The fact is, he just looks comfortable. Fields looks at home. I think he's happy somebody's actually catering to him for once. It's not him on an island. Talked about this last week. No man can survive on an island. He needs some sort of support. Eventually, you need to ask for help. And in Fields' case, he just got help, finally. He asked for help, never got it, now he has it. At least from a play-calling standpoint. I'll tell you what, the Bears look pretty darn good on Saturday, too. Makes him 3-0 in the preseason. Now, for what it's worth, Houston 
was 3-0 in the preseason. <laughs> Record doesn't really matter, but we've seen some strides, and we've seen progress from this team. For those who still say they're going to be the worst team in football, like ESPN continues to say, I just think they're playing wrong. And this isn't even a critique of them. It's just look at this team. There is talent here. may not be a ton, but there is some sort of talent. This is a professional-grade football team, and they have real players who could go and do something. I think Justin Fields is going to have a bigger jump this year than many people think. Still have a competent running back, David Montgomery. And I think some of the wide receivers may impress more than we all expect, too. All of this is to say that the Bears won't be as bad as people think they will be. But against today, maybe 7-10, 8-9 record, which is a big improvement considering what's happened. And come 2023, they're going to be ready to really strike and contend for a playoff appearance. This isn't a doom and gloom situation. It's not a scary situation. I'm actually pretty darn confident in how things are looking right now. Better than how they were just a couple of months ago. Based on how they played, based on how they gel as a team with Luke Getze, Matt Eberflus, they just look sharper. They look sharper. They look more detailed, more focused. Something you've noticed, too, not penalized much during the preseason. Five penalties on Saturday. The Browns at 10. There's just a big difference when you watch this Bears team play. And I think it's night and day compared to Matt Nagy under his leadership in coaching. There seems to be discipline. There seems to be care into how they play, care about guys' work ethic and what they bring forth each and every day. There's just, it's a different culture. It's a different mindset. You see it. We're seeing game-by-game growth for Justin Fields even. First game, 76. Passer rating now at 146.9. As Fields plays more and more in a game scenario in this offense, he's only going to get better. He needs reps. He needs time to understand it, to develop it, to do it. I think by week 10, even if the Bears are 3-10 and 10 or 3-7, and seven, they're going to be fine. And Justin Fields will look very sharp as the year progresses. That's the key. We need to see performances like Saturday in week 12, in week 16, 17. We need to see progress from Justin Fields. I love how they've looked in the preseason. If they could continue this and bring it to the regular season, I'll even take a five-win year. If the Bears are in every game and they're playing like this and they're losing by a field goal or a touchdown, but we see progress and improvement, I'm okay with that. I want to see Saturday all year for everybody. No penalties, no turnovers. Justin Fields bowling out at a rate we've never seen before. That's what I want to see from this Bears team. And that will tell me that there is progress. doesn't just have to be wins and losses or did Justin Fields throw 50 touchdowns? No, but if he could throw 30 and have 10 picks, Maybe 4,000 yards? That's great. That's an improvement. That's a significant upgrade over what's been going on the past couple of years for this team. So I'm just thoroughly impressed with the growth 
from Justin Fields. And that performance on Saturday was beautiful to watch. So satisfying. Only two incompletions. No turnovers. 100-plus passer rating. Three touchdowns. That's what we all envisioned when the Bears drafted him. And we're finally seeing it to an extent. Preseason or not, we're seeing it. I hope we see more of it. I hope we see this translate to real games and real results. Results are not going to be linear, and I'm sure you're sick of hearing that, but what does that mean? Well, Justin Fields and the Bears could go 5-12, and 12, but Fields could have a 97 passer rating, 100 passer rating. That's what that means, partially. I'm not going to judge this season, nor Justin Fields, on wins and losses. It could be a determining factor, but it's not going to be the end-all, be-all. Wins and losses will not be the end-all, be-all for me. What's going to matter is, do we see Saturday Justin Fields all year? Do we see less turnovers, more touchdowns, quick release, moving in the pocket, good play calling? Are we going to see that? Will the offense click? Will they be disciplined? We're seeing tons of good traits from this Bears team and results in the preseason. Can that translate to real games? That's going to be the question. And if we see what they've done throughout the preseason in a regular season, they're going to be a better team than we all think. I'm telling you right now, if they won six games last year with a similar, maybe a little bit better roster, but a horrible coach, they could probably match or exceed that come this year, too. And that would be a welcoming surprise for everybody. But mainly Justin Fields mainly his credibility as the Bears' guy for the future. The question is going to be asked all year. Is Justin Fields the guy? Is he the true franchise quarterback? Can you see the Bears building around him? Is he going to be a 10, 15-year veteran, or do the Bears look for somebody else? We don't know right now. But if he continues to play like this, I think those questions will be put to bed, even if the Bears go 6-11. and 11. Seven and ten. Don't let anybody tell you it's about wins and losses. It's not about that. It's about Justin Fields performing like he did on Saturday. If he does Saturday all year, the wins will come. But even if they don't, it's okay. I'm not going to worry about that. But if we see continuous 100-plus passer rating games from Justin Fields, that's all I want to know. That's all I want to see. And can he take care of the football? Is he a little bit more accurate? If he isn't, why isn't he? Is it his fault or the wide receiver's fault? There are going to be a lot of qualifiers in evaluating Justin Fields. It's not just going to be, oh, bad game or bad numbers, bad team, and he sucks. No. What's going to matter is, is he making progress, and can he replicate what he did on Saturday? If he can in the regular season, watch out. He's going to turn a lot of pants, and he's going to show everybody why he may make a big jump in 2022. I want to shift to this. Mitch Trubisky, former Bears friend or foe to some, may be named the Steelers' number one quarterback. How do you like that? He's been in competition with rookie Kenny Pickett. 
And as of right now, some Pittsburgh media, Stephen said, Trubisky has won the job. Mark Madden, if there was a Steelers quarterback competition, Mitch Trubisky won it. Mitch was 15 of 19 for 160 yards and a touchdown for several nice balls. He was accurate and mobile. Wow. Told you I'd be following this. I don't care if he's a polarizing figure. I don't care if you don't like him. Mitch Trubisky has proven, at least in preseason, he's not a bad quarterback. It doesn't mean he's better than Justin Fields or the Bears should have kept him. What I'm saying is, for all of you who've said he's a bust, he's horrible, he doesn't deserve to be in the NFL, think again. Mitch Trubisky's done amazing for Pittsburgh in the preseason. He will be starting week one for the Steelers. And he may even go all year. He may last the whole season in Pittsburgh. He may win them games, too. He made the wild card last year, but if he does it again, new quarterback Big Ben retires, and it's Mitch Trubisky leading them to a playoff appearance. Entirely within the realm of possibility. Don't sleep on Mitch Trubisky. Whether you like it or not doesn't matter. The point is don't sleep on it. It's a fact. Hey, I'll take 15 of 19 for 160 yards and a touchdown all day long. You may have mixed feelings about Mitch. You might think he's still a bust or screwed the Bears somehow, but the fact is he is a quality NFL quarterback with the right team, with the right pieces. I still think he's between the 15th to 20th best quarterback in football. Could be even better depending on how he does. Well, Trubisky played well enough to give rise to the notion that he might win games and be more than a mere placeholder for Kenny Pickett. Trubisky deserves more respect than he's received since arriving. And this is Pittsburgh media. This is Mark Madden of Pittsburgh newspapers. Funny how the narrative shifts. Here in Chicago, he was blasted then. The narrative did shift again when Matt Nagy was fired. Now we have many people defecting to the Trubisky camp, and that's fine. Come on in. We're glad to have you. But to those of you who still doubt or still have issues or still hold some grudge against Mitch Trubisky for no reason, I just read you the quote right here. This is Pittsburgh media saying he deserves more respect than he's received. More respect, not less, not the same, more because Mitch Trubisky is not a bad quarterback. And what you've been told and what you've believed is a lie. It's like ESPN saying the Bears are going to be the worst team in football. ESPN, for years, has gone after Mitch Trubisky and the Bears. I choose not to listen. I choose to give the kid a chance. A fair one. Got to remember, Mitch still won 29 games as the Bears starter. With Matt Nagy as his coach. You could argue the defense helped him, and they did. But the fact is, he was the quarterback. He helped them win games. He performed well, and he is the best-rated passer in Bears history, for what it's worth. Say what you want about Mitch Trubisky. But don't be surprised when he lights it up in Pittsburgh and they're in the playoffs come December, January on you right now, and we're going to cover Mitch as the season progresses, good or bad, because you want to know. You could say get over it, but all of you watch the Mitch Trubisky content. You care, and that's fine. 
he's not a bad quarterback. And I have no idea why this is so divisive for people. There are so many people who get so mad about Mitch Grubisky either doing good or even having his name come up, and it makes no sense to me. He's a human being. He's a pretty darn good quarterback. And he's succeeding with another team. What's wrong with talking about it? Oh, I forgot it's because you hate being wrong. And you don't want to be exposed for Mitch doing good. You want to find one thing wrong with him in nitpicks. You can tell everybody that he's a one-read option, one-read quarterback, or can't throw the deep ball, or has bad arm strength, whatever it is. Put it to bed. And watch for yourself. I saw Mitch's throws. They've been making the rounds on social media. His look great. Wake up and take a look. Put your preconceived biases to the side and watch. Watch the videos. Watch the film of Mitch Trubisky making very good throws, pro-rated throws, in the preseason. I don't know why he's so polarizing. I don't know why so many people have an issue with him and not the coach or the GM at the time or ownership. But for whatever reason, put it to bed. Do me a favor, put it to bed, and watch Mitch and what he does this year. And if he sucks, so be it, I'll be wrong. But I'd rather give him a chance, a fair chance, than just bash him every single second for a good throw or a nice play. Everybody nitpicks instead of praises. And no one's like that with Justin Fields or other players in the NFL. It just seems to be Mitch. I don't get why. I don't get why he's so polarizing. Why it's such a big issue if he's succeeding or moving on or had a good game. It sickens me. And I would hope that everybody has a little bit more compassion and respect for who he is. Oh, he's a bum. He's a bust. Well, he's a winning quarterback. He's the highest rated passer in Bears history. And he's making the most of an opportunity that was given to him after Matt Nagy pretty much screwed him. I have a lot of respect for that. I have a lot of respect for somebody rebuilding their image after they were screwed. They didn't have to rebuild their image. They weren't put in that position because of poor play. They were put there because of one person. And he sucked it up, and he was humble, and humbled, and now he moved on and has a chance again. I like a good revenge story. And for someone like Mitch Trubisky who didn't even have to do that, it makes it even sweeter to see. We should be rooting him on and praising him, not nitpicking once again, and complaining about his era here with the Bears. There were worse eras in Bears history for quarterbacking. Way worse eras. And if you can't see that by now, I'll tell you what, you're part of the problem. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Greg Gabriel comes up next, so stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago. Here for John Zaglul, and we are back and ready for today's special guest, the former director of college scouting for the Chicago Bears and a contributor to the Barroom Network. Please welcome Greg Gabriel to the program. Greg, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm real good. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for being back here on the program. What do you make of the Bears-Browns game, first off? Uh, 
you know, it's preseason games, so you can't get all excited. I mean, both both sides had some key players out. Funny thing is, is that when I get on Twitter or something, I see that, you know, like three or four key Brown starters for out. Well, hell, three or four key Bear starters out too. Maybe more than that. You know, it, it worked on both sides. Uh, they won the game, though, and when the top players were in, they dominated the game. I think they played really well and improved from week to week during the preseason. Uh, I like the way Justin played. Really only played with Mooney, I don't think, played much. And EQ played a little bit more. Otherwise, he didn't have his full complement of, of wide receivers in there. Um, running game was good. I tell you what's odd. I just got a soft thing on Twitter. Ian Rappaport just reported that Tevin Jenkins still might get traded. I don't get this at all. He may be the best <laughs> lineman they have. So I, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't get what's going on at all. What makes him the best lineman in your opinion on the Bears roster? Um, well, I haven't seen Patrick play this year for the Bears. He played damn good for Green Bay last year. And actually, for the the amount they paid for him, it's a steal. Uh, just the way he, I mean, he's only played guard a couple of weeks, and just the way he's acclimated to the position, and he's so damn physical. So the talent is there to just keep getting better and better. And I like the way he goes after people, finishes people. Um, you know, if, if there's something going on behind the scenes, you know, we're never going to find out about it. Um, so who knows? And maybe these rumors are all just BS. What do you think the problem could be here? If, if anything, if you had any idea. I, I, I couldn't even tell you. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, is the coaches have seemed to be positive about him since he stepped into the lineup. So I, I don't get where this is coming from, unless it's coming from people that hope he's on the trade market, and <laughs> you know, and and they're calling about you know it works both ways on that you know. So uh, I don't know. It, it, it's very confusing to me. Um, there's nobody they have right now they could put in that spot and play as good as him. Greg Gabriel here on Sports Talk Chicago. Very um, big endorsement from you about that. And it sounds like you're very confident in that. Um, what do you think he's going to do this season if he stays with the Bears? I think he's going to get better every game. The more, you know, there's, there's an adjustment. Um, you're seeing things a little bit different from the inside than you are from the outside. You're not on an island, so to speak like Yara tackle, uh, but you've got to be more aware of like loop stunts and blitzes than you are at the outside. So it, it's more that type of thing than from the physical standpoint, um, except for the, the very first play uh, set where he, you know, made good contact on a pull, but then just didn't finish it. And, and um, except for that play, he played really well. And the week before, I only had one play with a, a minus on it. And so, 
you know, I, I, I think that the film speaks for itself, but, but why there's this stuff out there, who knows? If, it, if he gets traded in the next few days, maybe they'll say something. I don't know. How do you compare this offensive line for the Bears right now compared to last season? How, how much better is it right now for Justin Fields in this offense? Well, it's a lot better. Part of it is uh, these guys are a lot lighter. Juan Castillo wanted these big, huge elephants <laughs> playing, and and a lot of them were too heavy for their for their frames. They didn't have movement skills or the movement skills they should have, and I, I just think that it hurt them from an individual basis. And they weren't in the condition probably they should have been because of that. Now, uh, I think Mustafer is like 20 pounds lighter than he was a year ago and playing a lot, played a lot better in the preseason. Uh, I saw where, where Jenkins is like 310, 311, where he was over 330 last year. Um, I don't know what Borum is, but they're all – looking a lot better and moving a lot better. And you have to do that to play in this outside zone scene. What's this all going to mean for Justin Fields and his protection this season? Oh, it's, uh, you go back and you look at, at Saturday and, and the protection was pretty darn good. Now, yeah, their two defensive ends weren't in, but so what? You only can block who you can block. The guys are in front of you and, and they did a good job with those guys. Uh, they got a tough guy coming up in, in two weeks uh, in Bosa, who's one of the best edge rushers in the league. Uh, and I'm sure they'll put him on the defensive right side. So he's going against Braxton Jones. Uh, if, if Braxton hasn't gotten an education from Quinn, he's going to get one from Bosa. <laughs> uh, you know, and there'll be some breakdowns. It's his first, it'll be his first real game. Um, but I like the way he has grown. There's some good talent here, and they lucked out. You know, I, I personally thought Braxton Jones had third-round talent, but, you know, he came from a lower level of comp, and, you know, he, he more than held his own at the Senior Bowl, but that's all you saw him as far as uh, being against top-quality players. Uh, so that might have pushed him down a little bit, but his combine workout was, was pretty darn good from an athletic point. Um, I think right now he's a steal, you know, and, and uh, the best football is still way out in front. So um, it, I, I, I like the group as it is. When Patrick gets in there, it's going to be even better. Uh, whether he is able to play, if he had hurt his left thumb, he'd be playing right now, but it's his right thumb and he got a snap. And so until he's ready to do that, uh, and that could be this week, might be next week, or it might not be for till game two. When when they, they don't have to issue a practice report until next week as far as injuries. So um, you're not going to know anything until next week. Greg, what do you make of Justin Fields and his progress? If this offensive line holds up and some guys are going to be emerging offensively, how big of a jump could we expect from him? You know, I, I think, John, that that really remains to be seen. Um, you, you can have a huge jump if you, you're playing with confidence. And 
success breeds confidence. So they got to start off well. Now, personally, I think they're going to beat the 49ers. And I said it on my show just a little while ago. They played them pretty even a year ago. And now they got Trey Lance coming in. I'm not one of these people that was sold on Trey Lance being a top five pick. I I know the talent, but I know that when you play, you only played, you know, three years of college football. And the third year was one game, you know, so, <laughs> and that's because, you know, they, because of the COVID pandemic. So his, it doesn't have a lot of experience really ran a run dominated offense. I, I watched him a little bit in the preseason. He struggled. I'm not saying he doesn't have talent, but is he ready to take the reins as, as a number one quarterback? And being as inexperienced as he is, I come from a you know old school, uh, growing up in scouting. You know, my first main coach that I, I worked with was Bill Parcells, and Bill had this theory, along with a lot of people in the league then, that a, a college quarterback had to throw eight, nine hundred passes to be ready for the National Football League. Trey Lance didn't get had like a third, you know. Quarter, not no more than that third, but probably half of that in his career. And plus, he was playing at the FCS level, not at the major college level. So, and, and you got mid-major level too. So he's down two levels of comp. And you know, a guy like Justin Fields, he played at the highest level and got to a national championship game, but yet. This guy was by the experts was was rated higher. <laughs> I I don't get that, but hey, it is it it is what it is. But I I I think he's gonna have a good season. I think the wide receiver core, if they're healthy, is a lot better than people are giving them credit for. So um, you know we'll find out fairly shortly within the next uh, well really not till Wednesday. If some of these guys are going to go on IR and they want to bring them back, that can't happen until Wednesday. So we'll find it out, out that, and that could be on both sides as well. If guys like um, and Keel Harry or whatever uh, are going to end up on, on uh, injured reserve this year or, or, um, or at least for part of the year or be here from the get-go. How do you plan on judging fields this year? Um. You know, everybody says, well, someone's in losses. No, I think it's, does he read the field better? Does he get the ball out of his hand? Is he more accurate? Uh, he's gotten the ball out of his hand faster in the preseason. Uh, he's made some really good throws. All three of those throws, the first touchdown pass that he threw to Griffin, he looked off. Now, part of that was uh, – Equinemia St. Brown ran a great route on the corner. The corner came up to get him thinking he was going to run it out, and then he cuts back to an in route, and that opened it up for, for Griffin not having that corner sliding back into that three-deep position. Uh, but at the same time, when you see the end zone um, copy of that tape, 
he looked him off really well. He's looking to the left and came back to the right, or looking to the right and came back to the left when he made that throw. Um, you could say he could have thrown it a split second sooner. You know, uh, when Griffin was coming out of the break, that's if you want to nitpick. Uh, same thing with Komet. It was wide open. It was a touchdown, but you could say he could have thrown it a little bit sooner. Um, and this, and really the same thing with, with the touchdown pass to Pettis. Because Pettis ran a really good route, uh, planted fake to the inside, like he was going to do a post or a, a, a crossing route, and then did the, the flag route and really got separation right away off, off his uh, fake. He could have thrown the ball right when he was making the break. He waited a little bit, but, you know, the coaches are going to say that to him. He's going to see it when he watches the tape, uh, and, and that's how you get better. You keep seeing things, and he's already a lot better. He's tightened his release, and I think that's uh, a big thing because he had that big hitch at the top of his release, and that took a lot of time because he dropped the ball and then would go like this. Now he does it a little bit, but it's not – I'm going to say it's 75% better than it was a year ago because it's not anywhere near as pronounced. And it sounds like, based on what you're saying, um, the Bears wide receiving core, like you said earlier, won't be as bad as people think. You're giving them a lot of praise, and rightfully so, based on how the preseason has gone. Uh, yeah, and, and you haven't seen, you know, Harry's been hurt with a high ankle sprain. Pringle, who I like, I'm glad they, they got Pringle. I liked him at Kansas City last year. He hasn't played because of that uh, um, quad problem. Now, they don't have to disclose injuries. They aren't disclosing what we know it's a quad problem. Don't know if it's a tear, don't know if it's a pull, don't know if it's a deep bruise or what. And so he hasn't practiced. And if he doesn't practice this week, you know, he could be a, a, a candidate to go on IR for four weeks and, and then have to miss. Uh, the first four games. So I agree with them not saying what the issues are, but at the same time, you know, as fans, we're sitting back there, okay, who's going to be playing? So uh, are they going to bring in another guy? I think that will be determined by the health of who's here and, and how long they're going to be out. And if, and if they're ready to go, I don't think, Harry will be ready, but if the other guys are ready to go, they might not bring in anybody at that position. It, it's tough to bring in a receiver because he's, unless he's played in this uh, system or scheme before, knows the terminology, it's going to take him two or three weeks to get up to date and, and feel comfortable within the system and be able to play at full speed. Well, hell, by that time, your guys were hurt, are going to be fine. You know, so does it does it help you to actually bring in a guy who actually can't help you right off the bat? You know, and that's a question they have to answer. What do you expect out of the Bears this year? Oh, I don't think they're going to challenge for a playoff spot. I expect them, were they six wins last year? Right. I think uh, go eight wins this year. Um, I, I'm not anywhere, and, and maybe even nine. You know, maybe 
they break just over the 500 mark. I, I, um, I think the defense is going to be outstanding. They play great in the preseason. There's uh, and, and without doing anything besides vanilla defense. And I just think that, that there's no reason why they can't. The one thing that impressed me more than anything, and nobody from the media talks about it, this team wasn't penalized the whole preseason. And in preseason, that's remarkable. And that tells you that that's a testament to the coaches and how disciplined they have got these guys uh, playing. It's, it, it, first half, when the, when the number ones were in there, one penalty, and that was the holding call on Griffin. That, uh, yeah, that's, that's remarkable. More to come with Greg Gambriel in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Greg Gabriel still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Greg, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, what's your process in determining how good a player is as a scout? Uh, first of all, he's got to have the traits to play the position. Uh, then, if you're looking now, are you asking me that if I'm going on the road and looking at a college player? Yes. Well, okay, then he's got to dominate. I mean, he's, he's got to win a lot more than he loses, uh, you know, depending on the position. Uh, if he's a receiver, he's got to be able to he, – he's got to have speed right off the bat. Um, receiver can be a very tough position to scout because you got a, a lot of guys that have great production, but that doesn't necessarily translate – to the National Football League because they just don't have the natural traits. And you've got to have speed. You've got to have flexibility in your hips to be able to break down, to get in and out of a cut quickly and, and gain separation. Um, you've got to have, obviously, good hands, but not only good hands, got to adjust to the ball very well and have that upper body flexibility to – have what we call a, a big or a large receiving radius, you know, be able to make the, the uh, back shoulder catches, climb the ladder for the high balls, uh, extend for the balls out in front of you, that type of thing. Um, linemen, it, and I'm looking at an offensive lineman that starts with a stance. And because you're always getting, when you're doing linemen, you're always want to look at the tight copy. So you're seeing it from the end zone. And it, you want to see, this is me anyway, this is how I do it. Everybody's probably got their own way. But the first thing I look at is the stance. Is he, is he comfortable in the stance, especially if it's a three-point stance? Or Because you can see if he's got tightness in his hips or his knees, you can see it right away when he gets in that three-point stance. And you, you see his legs sometimes bow out or his, his butt is up too high. Or whatever, or he doesn't have his his um, the heel of his feet flat on the on the ground shows if, if if his feet are up could show ankle tightness, and and so it's just little things that you look for. Uh, then how he comes off the ball? Does he come off low and gradually rise, or does he stand up right away? 
uh, when he's playing, is he a knee bender or a waist bender? You want a knee bender, not a waist bender. Uh, how explosive is he through contact? Once he makes contact, does he keep driving his feet or does he stop his feet and restart? You know, pass pro, you want to look at uh, his punch, his ability to move laterally, uh, change weight, come back the other way and do it very smoothly and quickly. So how he uses his hands, part of that with hand use is coaching. So you can't ding him too much. I, I, I see guys on tape with a whole offensive line. They drop back and pass protection and they got their hands out like this. And well, you can't see it on there, but they got their hands <laughs> out way wide and then they bring him in. I mean, to me, that's wasted motion. You know, you want to see their hands inside and punch from the inside and not get their hands on, on the outside of the, the framework of their opponent's body. What's the best assessment you've ever made of talent? I don't know. That's a, that's too hard a question to ask. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, you get some right. I get a lot right. I know that uh, you get some <laughs> wrong. Uh, and, and then you go from there and then, uh, you know, I worked for close to 35 years in the league, so I know I did something right to do that long. I mean, you know, as, as a group, in, in the nine years we were running the draft here, we had 12 pro bowlers we drafted. So I'll, I'll compare that to anybody. Greg, before we finish up today, last question. The funniest draft day interview you've been a part of was what? Draft day? I Well. Or I combine interview, too. It. Combine interview. Uh, oh, God. You know, John, we used to tape them when I was here. And sometimes it was comical. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the funniest one was a guy, and I'm not going to mention his name. Can, can I use off language on this thing? Um, you can. Uh, that's fine. Okay. Well, I'm just going to quote the guy. So, he's... We had, you know, at, at the um, the Holiday Inn, it's Crown Plaza now they call it, in Indy, where all the players are, and each team has a room uh, on the first floor, and there's a, like a big courtyard that the rooms open up to. So it's easy to get from one room to the next. You know, and kids get go from one room to the next. So every team has got it in that one specified area. So this one kid comes in, and in our room we had, uh, there's myself, Jerry, Angelo, Lovey, the guy who was uh, taping the, the interview, the area scout, the position scout, and the coordinator. So this was a defensive player, defensive back. And he comes in, and he's talking, and all of a sudden he just drops over in his chair, like leans forward, like, like there's something wrong with him or, or he got sick or something. And Jerry jumps up, says, you all right? He goes, I think I just got bit by a motherfucking scorpion. And, and it's like, we all started laughing. <laughs> a scorpion in Indianapolis in the middle of January. Okay. Or the middle of February. <laughs> it was just, it, that one sticks out. There were a couple others, but I'll leave those for another day. Wait, was he actually bit by a scorpion or was he lying? 
No, he's, I don't know. I mean, he wasn't bit by a scorpion. That's his answer. He was just, it was like, it was just weird, I guess is the best way to do it because of like, he, he looked like he was dying for a second, you know? And then, and then but just the, the words that came out of his mouth and, um, and it, the mannerisms were just funny. Well, Greg, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, best wishes for your show in the barroom. And as this season gets going, looking forward to connecting again soon, too. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Great talk there with Greg Gabriel. That'll do it for us today. You're on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Greg Gabriel himself, Matt Dubio, WCKG, Jim DeTobin, to Marvel Entertainment for making this show a success. Remember, find all of my podcasts, interviews, and articles. Log on to sportstalkchicago.com. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, stay safe, and so long, everyone. No! No! Never the turn!